ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय वेदानुदहरते जगंती बहते भूगोलम उद्भिब्रते दैत्यं दैत्यं दार्यते बलिं छलयते क्षत्रक्षयं कुर्वते पोलस्चं जायते हलं कलयते कारुण्यम आतंदते मलचान मुर्चयते दशाकृति कृते कृष्णाया तुभ्यं नमः O Lord Krishna, I offer my obeisances unto you who appear in the forms of these ten incarnations. In the form of Matsya, you rescue the Vedas, and as Kurma, you bear the Mandara mountain on your back. As Varaha, you lift the earth with your tusk, and in the form of Narasimha, you tear open the chest of the Daitya Hiranyakashipu. In the form of Vamana, you trick the Daitya king Bali by asking him for only three steps of land, and then you take away the whole universe from him by expanding your steps. As Parashuram, you slay all the wicked Kshatriyas, and as Ramachandra, you conquer the Rakshasa king Ravana. In the form of Balaram, you carry a plow with which you subdue the wicked and draw toward you the river Yamuna. As Lord Buddha, you show compassion toward all the living beings suffering in this world. And at the end of the Kali Yoga, you appear as Kalki to bewilder the Malachas. Degraded low class man. So this is from the beginning of Gita Govinda of Jayadev Goswami who appeared before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and in his Gita Govinda has depicted most intimate pastimes of Keshava, Krishna. He begins his Gita Govinda, this is just near the beginning of Gita Govinda, Describing the ten prominent avatars of the Lord. We have the word incarnation. It's, of course, Prabhupada used this word, but it's not such a good word because the etymological meaning is someone who has taken a body, but the very meaning of avatar is something different. The Lord, it's not that He assumes a body, like we, we get a body, but he is ajopi sanavyayatma bhutanam ishvaropi sanprakatim swamadhishtaya sambhavamyamamayaya. He appears in every age out of his own mercy. His avatar, one who comes down, not that he takes a form as we do. So avatar is, takes various forms. Now, it's interesting that this Gita Govinda, this describes Krishna and Radha, very intimate pastimes, which moralists, worldly moralists, cannot accept that this is God. God is a very proper person. He tells us what to do, what is correct, what is not correct. So in Gita Govinda, Jaidev Goswami, he doesn't go into any theology. That's already there in Srimad Bhagavatam, Vedanta Sutra. The theology is there. Gita Govinda is based on 
Srimad Bhagavatam, specifically the the Raslila, the Radharani is leading leaving the Raslila. So it's an illumination of a pastime which is already there. So the moralists they won't believe. Well, what is this? God is very moral. Why is he going with someone else? Apparently lusty affairs. So this will not be understood by materialists. Now he introduces his, his Gita Govinda by giving this Dashavata Stotra, Saptapadi, in which he describes ten prominent avatars. They're unlimited. Avataram hiya sankhyayam, as Srinath Bhagavatam states. They're unlimited avatars. But these ten are very famous in the world. And with the exception of Buddha Dev, the ninth described here, who is anyway, his teachings are rejected by the Vaishnavas, by the theists, who, who taught atheism. With the exception of Buddha Dev, the rationalists, empiricists, they cannot accept any of these descriptions. But first of all, God came as a fish. Massive fish was caught in the hands of the Satyavata Muni. He put his hand in the water, a little fish came. The fish said, can you look after me? I'm afraid that big fish are going to eat me. Said, okay, took him home, put him in his goldfish bowl, and then became too big. So he put him in another body of water and another body of water. Each he was growing so quickly that eventually he had to put him in the ocean. Little fish, he was afraid of the big fish, and now he became the biggest fish anyone ever saw. But who will believe this? Such a big fish. Who will believe even the descriptions in the Bhagavatam Timingila? Timi means whale, and Timingala means a big fish which swallows whales. Much bigger than Timingala is Matsya Avatar. Then Kurma Avatar. How will they accept? God has become a tortoise. And on his back there's a mountain and they're pulling it, using a snake as a rope. Try saying that at your interfaith discussion. <laughs> See what they say. Then Varaha Dev. Now people are really going to get upset. That he's come in the form of a pig. This pig is prey to Denmark. When I would say there are more pigs than people, is it still like that? <laughs> it's pig loca, and even they have. <laughs> even in two towns, they have a pig in the main. In the main thoroughfare, they have a big, huge statue of pig. Which town is this? Two towns, I saw that, and I can't remember which one. In Jutland, there yeah. are some two different places. You now you're more sophisticated in Copenhagen. You don't have statues of pigs. <laughs> so, the Lord has come as a pig. But what a pig. It comes out of the nose of Lord Brahma. And picks up, he's such a big pig, he puts his head down and picks up the earth planet on his tusk. Then we have the Lord coming as half man, half lion. Actually, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvata, in before him, Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur compared this to evolutionary theory. First of all, there's fish, 
and then becomes like a semi-aquatic animal, then it becomes a gross animal, then half man, half lion, and then uh, there's another, the half man, half lion, and then becomes a little, little man, Vamandev, then, and then he becomes an uncivilized man, Parashuram, goes around killing others. Then becomes uh, very beautiful, attractive. Or then becomes very righteous man, Ramachandra. Then very beautiful, attractive, Balaram. Then philosophical man. And at the end, just all destruction. All ends in destruction. So who will believe? Jayadev Goswami, he's writing this. He's not trying to to say that you now you have to believe this. He's just accepted. Those who are listening, they already they know they, they know these stories. He's not telling the whole story. He's giving it very briefly, just a summary. How much can you put in two lines? But those who have studied Srimad Bhagavatam and maybe other Puranas also, Nrsimha Purana, they'll get more information of the pastimes of Lord Nrsimha Dev. Then by hearing it, they'll remember. They'll remember and they'll become happy. Sukhadam, Shubhadam, and becomes auspicious in this Bhavasaram, in this world of repeated birth and death. The only auspicious thing is hearing about the Supreme Lord in his wonderful incarnations, avatars. So today is celebrating the appearance of Lord Vamanadev. Who the, God is all good. That is an axiom. If he's not all good, then he's not God. We have faith. Believe in God. We have faith that all others may fail us, but God will always protect us, look after us, care for us. Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Supreme Absolute is all truth, all auspiciousness and all beauty. And here we find Chalayas. He's a cheat. He cheats Bali Maharaj. So this doesn't seem to fit. How can God cheat you? Everyone else will cheat you. But we come to God that when everyone else has cheated us, we come to him and say, now I have no other shelter than you. You I can trust. But he did. It's a cheating process. Of course, his cheating is all auspicious. His killing is all auspicious. His stealing is all auspicious. Krishna is known as a thief. He stole butter, regularly stealing. But he's worshipped for that. In very low class culture, then thieves may be brigands, they may be worshipped. There were, there were some brothers, Cray brothers, I think about 10, 15 years ago in London. They, they were the criminal, top criminals in London. Eventually the police shot them dead and the whole of East London came out to offer respect at their funeral. They were heroes for being criminals. So in some cultures that may be, but in high class culture, then... Uh, 
the Lord comes to stop such people. Paritranaya sadhunam vinashayata dushkritam. He comes to destroy the bad people. But he himself, he's stealing, he's lying. He is uh, dancing with others' wives, it seems. And here he's cheating. So who can understand that he's cheating? But this cheating is not like the cheating of the material world in which one person cheats someone else for their own supposed benefit. But this so-called cheating, it by by taking away from Bali Maharaj everything that he had acquired, then Vamandev showed who's the actual proprietor. Actually, he didn't cheat him because everything belongs to him anyway. But the method of doing it appeared to be like cheating. He could have just taken it away. He could have come and said, here, I'm God and I'm taking it away. Bad luck to you. But he played, he had some spot or some fun with his devotee and at the same time showed the character of his devotee. What is the greatness of the character of Bali Maharaj? Because he became the proprietor of the heavenly planets by force, by, by power of his armies. He was able to overthrow the heavenly planets which Indradev had become the, the proprietor of, the supposed proprietor of. One becomes Indra after performing many austerities and pious activities, and Bali Maharaj just took it over by force. So he didn't follow the normal course of doing so, of taking over the heavenly planets. But according to the way the universe works, might makes right. And if one king can overcome another king, even in Vedic Understanding that's acceptable because the king should be powerful. If he's not powerful enough to keep out someone else, then he's not fit to be king. Let him, let the bigger king take over. And what usually happens is that the the one who's being conquered in the Vedic system is not necessarily that they'll kill him, but he'll submit and he'll become a subordinate, a vassal king. That was the system, Maharaj Parikshit was Chakravarti, means king of kings. And there are many subordinate kings under him. So, king should be strong. Bali Maharaj became stronger than Indradev. Now, he took over the heavenly planets and he was going to um, cement his position, bolster his position by performing sacrifices because actually one cannot become the king of heaven you can't you can't remain there without having the punya or the pious credits to do so so usually you do the yagyas first and then you become indra but he was trying to do it around the other way he took over the seat of indra and then he wanted to perform the pious activities afterwards so vamanadev came to cheat him he came, he appeared on the horizon like another sun. He was so bright. Anyone who's 
spiritually advanced, they become very bright. So Vamandev is the most spiritually advanced because he is the supreme spiritual truth himself. So he appeared very bright, Brahmana boy, and Bali Maharaj is very pleased to see him because the success of a sacrifice depends upon pleasing the Brahmanas. And just as the sacrifice is about to be performed, this at the Yagya, the king, he will give charity. So he was the king of the universe, so by force, but he had got that role. So he was able to declare that if anyone comes to me at this time, means only Brahmanas will come. Kshatriyas, Vaishyas and Shudras, they don't come. Only Brahmanas take charity. So if anyone comes to me at this time, I'll give them whatever they want. So by giving charity to the Brahmanas, one acquires punya, which will give material power, wealth, beauty. So when Vamandev came, Bali Maharaj is very pleased. You might think, well, he's giving out charity, so he might hope that less Brahmanas come. So then he'll have more for himself. But the calculation was different. It was rather that the more come, the more I'll be able to give to them and serve them and the more credit I will get. It's a good investment. You give to the Brahmanas and you, by their blessings you get more back. So when he saw Vamandevi, he was very happy because he could see that this Brahmana, by his effulgence, he's, he's a very powerful Brahmana, he's very uh, accomplished Brahmana. So by giving to such an accomplished Brahmana, I'll get very pious credits. So then Vamandev came and said, Yes, you're welcome, please come. What can I give you? You've come to my sacrifice, all the Brahmanas are coming. Because they know it's time to receive charity. It's also their function to accept charity, to, to help the king. It's not that the king is helping them. But they help the king to acquire piety by accepting some. Some dakshina, this word doesn't mean donation. It means an offering. It means an offering that one is fortunate to give, not that one who is receiving. Of course, if one is not a real Brahmana, he'll be greedy to take. But a real Brahmana just accepts for the sake of benefiting others. So, Vamandeva said, what do you want? Uh, three steps of land by my own measurement. And he's only a, a tiny little boy. Um, Bali Maharaj was disappointed. I wanted to give you so much, and then I'd get more credit for myself. And you only want to take three steps of land by your own measure. Actually, you're just a little boy. Let me give you a little advice. You see, anyone who comes to me should not have to go anywhere else begging. I'll give you whatever you need for your whole life, but three steps isn't enough. You should at least... I can give you a whole planetary system. What do you want? Just tell me. Take at least enough. But Vamandev said, no, Brahmana shouldn't be greedy, shouldn't take more than he needs. Shukracharya, by who's another Brahmana, by serving whom and pleasing whom, him and his family members. Bali Maharaj had become so powerful. 
told him, uh oh, wait a minute. This is Vishnu. Now we're in trouble again. This is Vishnu. I, I, I can keep the, the demons on top, but this Vishnu, first of all, he came as Varaha and spoiled our plans, and he came as Rishimha, and now he's come again. So he could recognize it. Just see, he was so powerful, he could recognize Vishnu. But even though he could recognize him, he had no love for him. He, he considered Vishnu a an obstacle. You have prasadam? You have some prasadam? No, I'm sorry, we have to leave because but we don't, uh, we have a long, long way to go, yeah, but you... But I'm saying, we have some prasadam you can give? Oh, thank you, No, no, prasadam does matter. Yes, it does matter, I know. Please don't go without prasadam. Sorry to make notice, you know, because my rashi were dating, you know, that's why. Well, it's all due to... Faith in the form of Scandinavian airlines. <laughs> we all come from another world. Yes, Moscow is the other world. Ah, so Shukra was advising, don't give. He said, I promise. How can I go back on a promise to a Brahmana that will bring very bad results? If I give to him, it will give a good result. And if I if I promise to give to him, then I don't get to him. That will be complete self complete destruction. Shukracharya is saying, but it will be destruction for all of us. All, everything. We, we went to so much trouble. It's, it wasn't that Bali Maharaj just kind of wandered up to the heavenly planets and flipped Indra off the throne. But to gain a big position in this material world, you also have to go on. To gain a position in this material world requires much concentration, endeavor. It wasn't an easy thing just to take over Indra's position. It was a complete uh, flipping of the universal order. So he'd, he'd gone to so much effort and so much endeavor and so much planning and they were successful, all the demons were happy. He was a successful king, king of the demons. He did what no one had done before. Take over the... So Shukracharya could see, now everything's going to be undone. This vision of what he did by... Killing Hiranyaksha, what he did by killing Hiranyakashipu, he's going to put us all in trouble again. Everything we, I'm, I'm just trying to put the demons on top and this Vishnu just spoils everything. So he was earnestly telling the Bali Maharaj, don't, but I can't tell a lie. You can tell a lie. There's certain circumstances you can tell a lie. For self-protection you can tell a lie. He, he gave so many reasons, in, in certain circumstances you can tell a lie. The first one is in seducing a woman. That was the first thing. So for self-protection you can tell a lie. So this is to, to protect yourself. You can just say, well, I didn't mean it. And anyway, to, to make, he gave his word 
but then there's a system to formally give it. You have to pour some water. So he took Bali Maharaj took his water pot. He didn't listen to what Shukracharya said. Took his water pot. So Shukracharya took the form of a bug and went inside to stop the water coming. So he, Bali Maharaj is pouring. He said, looking around, Shukracharya, what's going on? Shukra, where are you? Tell me what's going on. Because he always takes his advice in performing religious activities. He said, I'm inside the pot, stopping the water coming. Then Lord Vishnu, Vamande got kusha grass, put it in to make a hole, but it went in the eye of Shukracharya. So when he poured the water, Vashti said, yes, now I'm giving it. So we all know the story. With two steps he covered the whole universe. He took everything, he showed him this little form, little Brahmin boy. With two steps he covered the whole universe. He was saying, I should be satisfied with just what I can, I can take. I shouldn't take too much. With two steps he took the whole universe and said, Said you promised. What kind of a what kind of person are you? You promised to give me three steps of land, but you don't even have three steps of land to give me. What what kind of person are you? He was accusing Bali Maharaj that you're making this big announcement. I'm such a great king. I'll give everyone. You can't even give me three steps of land. What is this? You're a cheater. Everyone is thinking Vishnu has cheated Bali Maharaj, but he was accusing Bali Maharaj that you have cheated me. I came all this way just to get three steps of land and you promised to give it to me and you can't even give it. You deserve to be punished. Tie him up! Called Garuda. Tie him up! So he's totally humiliated. Then he suggested, you can put... I gave away all the land, but I didn't give away me. So now you put your third step on my head. And this is his full surrender. Bali Maharaj is the inspiration for all that we all have to surrender to Krishna. Giving up all attachments. This is the beginning of love a sign of love, that we are prepared to give up all material attachments. It's not so easy that we, if suddenly, without any warning, after after so much endeavor, we're trying to do something and we eventually do it and then everything just immediately taken away. No regret from Bali Maharaj. No regret. Lord Vishnu is saying, all right, very good. So he shows what it means that actually he's, as the king of the demons, he was doing his duty to lead them against the demigods. But actually, secretly, he was already a great devotee of Lord Vishnu. So he was very pleased to give everything to him. And he got the association of Lord Vamandev, who came as his doorkeeper. He, actually, Lord Vamandev, he put his foot on Bali Maharaj's head and in this way, uh, 
established his overlordship over Bali Maharaj, or rather Bali Maharaj accepted his position that I am the property of the Supreme Lord. He is my Lord, he is my master. But the Lord is so kind that if anyone gives himself to him, to Krishna, that Krishna reciprocally gives himself to that devotee, which is what he did. Even literally, he became the doorkeeper. He became the servant of Bali Maharaj because Bali Maharaj was so much prepared to give himself to Vamanadev. Vamanadev was completely ready to give himself and did actually give himself to Bali Maharaj. So this is cheating, but it's very sweet. It's some game that uh, the Lord is testing. He's testing Bali Maharaj. That are you ready? What do you want? You want me? Or you want the whole universe? He's he gave up his not only his possessions, but his prestige, his honor. He was so much honored by the demons. But uh, he became uh, derided by them instead. That I went to all this trouble just to put you on the throne and we're all going to enjoy it with you and then you just you know, hey damn fool you know this, this Brahmin comes and even our guru you went against your guru he warned you and still you know just with a few words what we we made so much endeavor for so many years and just with a few words you got tricked by this little boy and just spoiled everything so he was being derided and he's being derided on one hand by the devotees. And you, Come on, you said you give three steps and you only give two. What's wrong with you? So on both sides he's getting derided. But he remained peaceful. Alright, I did what I, I did my best. I, I surrendered to Lord Vishnu. And whatever he does, that's up to him. So, Maro bi Rako bi Jovit Chatoha. Nitadasa pratitua adhika. Nijadasa pratitua. Yes. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has taught us that you can kill me or protect me as you desire. I'm your servant and it's up to you. You do whatever you like. Easy to say. We can say. Marovirako. Easy. We can say. But it's. Do we actually have that feeling? We actually have that surrender. That we have to cultivate. That we have to cultivate by hearing about Bali Maharaj, singing the songs of Bhaktivinoda and practically in our lives uh, taking up that mood practically means performing service to Krishna even when it may not be pleasing to us. We may think in material life we are always looking to see how there is our profit, our comfort, our sense gratification. We tend to think, well, let, let me be comfortable for when everything's nice and then I can do some service. That's why Prabhupada gave us nice prasada. Traditionally Vaishnavas, Nidrahara, Vihara, Kadi, Vijita. We give up eating, sleeping, the very austere life with Prabhupada. Alright, take prasada and then do service. So the idea isn't to take prasada. That's 
The idea is to, to get the prasadam, the mercy of the Lord, by completely surrendering to Him. But in the beginning especially there may be some... It's difficult because we are accustomed to so much sense gratification, especially in the modern age. It's everything we, we're just brought up in a culture of total hedonism where we can't imagine doing anything unless we get some benefit from it. So we're always thinking how we can be comfortable, how we can have nice food, all this. So, surrender means to act in a manner that we don't care for that, we only care to see how Krishna is comfortable. That well-known story of the gopis, they're ready to go to hell to cure Krishna's headache. Who can imagine? We'll accept so much suffering just to alleviate Krishna's little suffering. Of course, Krishna never has a headache. But that pastime is there. Just to show what is the mood of the devotees. This is their love, that they're not interested in their own personal benefit. But love means that we want to act only for the benefit of the Lord, who takes the position of an incapable, dependent person so that he can accept the love of his devotees. So this is, this is theology superlative. It's, I, I, this ordinary religionists, they can't understand. They think God is the order supplier or the upholder of our morality. Some people say, yes, religion is very good because it keeps us moral. But Krishna conscious means that the highest morality, which often contravenes that supposed morality of the material world in which we deal with morality in the material world means we deal with each other in such a way that we give each other sufficient room for our sense gratification without impinging upon others' sense gratification more than is ethical. This is mundane morality. But transcendental morality means to act for the pleasure of Krishna. Or in Krishna's case, act for the pleasure of his devotees. That's why Krishna, he is ready, even he will break his own promise, but he will see that Bhishmadev's promise is upheld. That's, that's why this cheating, this apparent cheating, it's not cheating because we, there's nothing the Lord cannot do, but if there's anything He cannot do, He cannot act in a manner which is not for the benefit of others, because His very nature is that He is all, everything about Him is all auspicious for everyone. So everything He does, even His killing of others, His cheating, stealing, lying, whoever is fortunate enough to be killed by Him, they're benefited. It doesn't sound possible, but it's a fact that those who are killed by him, they're very fortunate because he only kills big demons. 
and they they don't have any other hope of salvation, which they get immediately by being killed with it. Just like uh, we we find in Chaitanya Bhagavat that Vrindavan Das Thakur says that anyone who blasphemes Nityananda, I'll kick him in the head. What is that? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Trinadapi Sunicha. One should be more humble than a blade of grass. And Vrindavan Das Thakur is saying, if anyone doesn't accept Lord Nityananda, I'll kick him in the head. So, you know, what kind of humility is that? Well, that is his mercy. If you're so fortunate to be kicked in the head by Vrindavan Das and get the dust of his lotus feet on your head, then uh, it's so fortunate that you're so sinful that you would blaspheme Lord Nityananda, but then he's so merciful to you that he'll very kindly give you the dust of his lotus feet on his head. So, this is, this kind of morality doesn't fit with that which is conceived of by worldly moralists. This is Krishna-centric, not anthrocentric, or based on, it's not humanitarianism, it's Actual theism. Actual theism begins with understanding that what what are the implications of the supreme being a person? Person, we, we can only imagine. Some many people say no, the supreme cannot be a person. They're impersonalists because they think person. You mean something like us? Blah. That can't be God. Person? You mean a, a cheater, a rascal, a liar, a thief, a cheat, someone like me? And all, everyone else in this world? God can't be a person. Or they think he's a person. Yeah, he's a person. That means he's a person. He must be you know, very moral and just. And uh, he gives every. He's like the supreme. He's like the head of the Communist Party or something. He gives everyone according to what they... The karma mimamsa idea. You do your, you do good acts and God gives you reward. He's sitting there with his computer calculating everything. Said, okay, give him that. Alright, you take that. Okay, be good, be nice, smile, be happy. God is good. Busy man, doesn't have time to shave, has a long beard. You seen the picture? Sistine Chapel. Long white beard. Never had time to shave. So, this is God, according to their imagination. But, God, the supreme, supreme pleasure. They think pleasure means he will give us pleasure. But pleasure for him? No, he's just God, that's all. He's just, he's just good. And if you're good, there's no pleasure. <laughs> so, so, he's just good, that's all. That's all, he's just good. Blesses you. And we enjoy, but he's God, so he can't enjoy. So they've miscalculated. He's this. Actually, it's a fact. If you want to enjoy, then you can't be good. So he's a cheater. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's ever. He's not good. But that goodness, that they can't calculate. Anyone who can appreciate the goodness, shunu sukadam shubhadam. The goodness of the supreme cheater, liar, thief, 
lover, boyfriend, anyone who can understand that. You could put Hare Krishna in your cell phone. It would be more transcendental. Anyone who can appreciate that, then they can actually enter into godly existence. The Supreme Lord and His devotees, they will never cheat anyone in a material way. Whereas even the so-called moralists, they're all cheating each other by not giving knowledge of our actual position. The mother, by giving her affection to her child, everyone says, oh, it's very nice. Well, it's kind of nice, but it's also cheating because then the child thinks, this is my mother, and the mother thinks, this is my child. And in this way, they're increasing the illusion that we are both enjoyers of this material world. But a devotee, he never cheats others. He gives knowledge of Krishna. He may apparently cheat others in order to give knowledge of Krishna. Just like in many countries, if we have to enter the country to go to preach Krishna consciousness, we'll have to go in non-devotional dress, They'll come in and say, what are you coming here for? Oh, tourism. It's not wholly untrue because we do tour, but it's not tourism in the normal sense. If we say, well, I'm coming here to speak about Krishna consciousness. Very good, sir. Get right back on that plane. And we'll see you later, a lot later. Not in this lifetime. Don't come here again. I saw once in, we, in Bangladesh once we made the mistake of... Uh, approaching the government to try and get some permission. Later we got it, but then I, when I went to get my visa extended, I saw my name written on the paper, hey, give no visa, order. <laughs> Do not extend his visa. So, and then I came to Denmark because I had to get a new passport and everything. So came and spent a little time here in the meantime. So, uh, we have to cheat, we have to lie. But the purpose, the means justifies the end. That's a philosophical question. Can the means, sorry, the end justifies the means. Hmm. That's really uh, perverse. Sometimes they say the means justifies the end. But the end justifies the means. If our purpose is to give people knowledge of Krishna, then sometimes we may have to act in a manner which from their perspective appears to be morally wrong. It may appear like that. But it's, it's like, the, again, the mother gives the child. The mother brings a nice sweet and says, open, close your eyes and open your mouth. And puts in the bitter medicine. Ah! You cheated me. But she knows the child will never take the bitter medicine unless he's cheated. So she does so. From the child's point of view, the mother has become very bad. But the mother knows she has a higher purpose. She has to do it for the child's benefit. Of course, the cheating of Lord Vamandev with Bali Maharaj, that's also for his 
benefit, but not, not, uh, it's not that Bali Maharaj is a conditioned soul who needs to be awakened from illusion, but it's rather, this is Leela, dealings of the Supreme Lord in great pleasure with his devotees. He could show, by doing this, the Lord showed to the world what is the quality of his devotee. He's ready at any second to give up his so-called possessions, even to to be cursed by his guru. It means on being on the spiritual platform one's even beyond the religious platform. The religious platform means you you follow your guru of course, in Krishna consciousness we do also. But if, if the so-called guru is teaching us not to worship Krishna, if he's deviated, then even guru should be given up. Lord Vishnu is the supreme goal. There are many things to be learned. We should study Srimad Bhagavatam again and again and again. Probably you're all, read, you're all reading in English, isn't it? You have it in Danish, yes. Srimad Bhagavatam? All the cantos. Great. Only ten cantos. That was Harikesha's promise. He did a good job getting all the books translated, but it was it is after all complete in twelve cantos, and one should read all twelve cantos. So please read. Now the Nasty, cold, dark Danish winter is coming. <laughs> so, I know, I was here and it was nasty, cold and dark enough. Once was enough for me. <laughs> so I didn't come back for 27 years. <laughs> so, that's Krishna's arrangement. You can stay indoors and read Srimad Bhagavatam. And make your life perfect. Or you can make it even more perfect and help others to be perfect by going out in the cold, dark and nasty Danish winter and distributing it to others also. That's even better. Well, both things should be done. Study Bhagavatam. Study Bhagavad Gita. And give to others. Hare Krishna. I won't go on much longer because it's quite late and there was when I came in there was talk of questions. So if anyone has any questions please ask. Thank you so much for staying very patiently. Yes, please. Was Allah and all you witness Allah? How do I recognize Allah? Well, Allah means the all-powerful. It's, it is a primary conception of what in English is called God. In the Vedic scriptures, there are several words, Ishvara, Parameshvara, Paramatma, Bhagavan. The full conception is Krishna. Full conception means he's not a conception, but our understanding of him in a very primary level, there's the understanding there is Allah, who is not defined and according to Islam, not definable. That's true in one sense, that the Supreme is not definable by any material means. 
but uh, they take it to an extreme to oppose the the understanding that the Supreme is a person. Although I'm told that in the in the higher levels or esoteric levels of Islam, they also accept that the Supreme is a, is a person. But in mainstream Islam, that's considered heresy. So it's kind of mixed theism and atheism. If we tell it to them, they won't be very happy. But then, generally, at least in my... Well, they're different. I mean, it's not... We, we tend to... Especially in the modern world, there's a lot of stereotyping about Muslims. But then there are different... It's not that everyone's the same. But, uh, yeah, they tend to be quite rigid in their understanding. So the, the point is that there are, there are various levels of God-realization. So if we are to study impartial, then we will find that the understanding the Supreme as Bhagavan, full with all opulences, the Supreme playful Lord, beautiful, that he's all-powerful, which means he's, actually that means he's a person, because all-powerful means a possessor of power, so it means only a person can possess power. He spoke to Muhammad, that means that they're trying to avoid that he's a person, but then if he spoke to Muhammad, then he must have been a person, must have been a to speak, you have to have intelligence, you have to have a particular, you have to perceive of oneself as a person to be able to communicate to another person. So, of course, they will argue that, but uh, the full understanding of the personality of Godhead is Krishna, as we can see. The pictures are here. So, please study Bhagavad Gita as it is and Srimad Bhagavatam. For our own spiritual development, it's actually not very important to... Are you from an Islamic background? Or? No, I'm purely Hindu. Purely Hindu. Then you don't... It's not really necessary for you to... For your own spiritual development, you please study this Bhagavad Gita as it is. You don't need, you, out of curiosity, or you may meet Muslims, you may want to know. But there's no, for your own spiritual development, there's no need to study Islam. Because the understanding given in Gita, and especially in Srimad Bhagavatam, is from the very beginning far more, far more developed than that in Islam. It's only a very vague idea. That's true, so I'm talking about mm. When you want to know what is good, mm. you have to understand what not. You have to do bad. You have to know what is bad. No, that's not true. You don't have to become a criminal to become a good citizen. <laughs> you 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 take into court. Why did you smash all the car windows? Well, I wanted to know what it's like to be good. So first, I had to be bad. That's very strange logic. The thing is that there are millions of things in this world and if we think we have to study everything to understand God, that's a misunderstanding. 
If you think that to understand the king, I have to understand everything in the kingdom, so I'll, st- I'll study everything, every blade of grass, and not study the king, then we won't understand the king. But if we understand the king, then we understand everything in the kingdom also. It's a, so you're, you're suggesting a back-to-front process. So the, the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam give us knowledge of the Supreme Lord, and by, un- by understanding Him, we automatically, that knowledge is given of his relationship with all his energies. He has nothing to do. He's not obliged to work like us. But nevertheless, he, by expansion of his energies, this whole universe is going on. He's not obliged, but by his powers, his natural energies of knowledge, action, and strength, everything is going on. So this knowledge is given in the Vedic literatures. We don't find such uh, advanced understanding as we find in the Vedic literatures. Otherwise, there's some vague idea that God is the, He created the world in, in six days, then He took rest, and, uh, He created Adam, then Adam was lonely, so He took a rib from, from Adam and turned it into a woman, and then she ate an apple, and because of that, everyone has to go to hell unless they believe in Jesus. It's, uh, actually as a child, I found this, Christian theology, childish. It's, it doesn't satisfy the, they say you just have to believe, but there's, God has given us intelligence, so it's good that we should use our intelligence to try to understand, but the first intelligent thing should be to recognize that which is substantial. So, in Christians, I mean, you're asking about Islam, I don't know so much, but Christianity, I think, they got their theology screwed up right in the beginning. They say Jesus is God, which he never himself said. And they said he died for three days and came back to him. That means God was dead for three days? It's primitive theology. I mean, this may not be very pleasing to us. We have our notions of everything is good and everything is nice, but... but uh, Actually, they're ignorant of God. They say you can't know God. That means they're declaring from the very beginning that we are ignorant and we shall remain ignorant. Only we shall take blessings from Him. That's all. And as far as knowing. So if you don't know, then how can you love? Real religion means to love God. But if you don't know anything about Him, then where's the question of love? And they, they consider it heretical to even attempt to know Him in any way. Whereas in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Ahang sarvasya prabhavam matas sarvam prabhadate iti matva bhajante buddha bhava samandita. That I am the source of everything, emanates, everything emanates from me. Those who know this, they worship me with bhav. Those who are intelligent, they understand this. So bhav or feelings come from knowing how great he is, he's so great, but at the same time, he's so accessible to us. It is so kind of him. That even though he's so great, we're just insignificant. And he's so great, but still he makes himself available to us. 
So like this, Prabhupada, he was in India once and someone asked about the Bible. So Prabhupada said, why are you bothering about the Bible? You take Bhagavad Gita. You can't study everything in the world, so better study that which is best. We have short lives, so better go for the, the, the best thing and take that and be benefit. Otherwise, what happens, you read so many things and you, be, you just become more confused, that's all. Actually, is, uh, is the Christian gods a uh, demigod? The Christian, the concept of God is something more like Lord Brahma, actually. They, they put most emphasis on, on him as the creator. Lord Brahma is a sub-creator. But they did this Mormon religion, which is, you know, it's a concoction on top of a concoction. But they have the idea that you become like that, you become like God. It's a, it's another. The, but again, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother studying all these things too much because then it's intellectually interesting maybe, but what's the point? We have to cultivate hearing and chanting about Krishna rather than learning more and more about different people people's different misconceptions of reality. Better try to understand what is reality. By learning more and more about different people's misconceptions, it doesn't help us to understand what the real thing is. Any amount of studying of plastic won't help us to understand what is gold. So, better take the gold, forget the plastic. Now, of course, you may say, well, everyone says that. There's just fundamentalism. You're just saying yours is best. So, well, you can study all different things, but if you're sin but be sincere. If you're sincere, then first of all, we'll understand that by my own intellect, it's definitely not enough to find out the truth anyway. That the books and the teachers are there, but it's it's not by my own brain I'm going to understand. It requires the mercy of the Lord. So, if we're praying for His mercy. Please show me the way to you. If that's our sincere desire, that's what we'll get. Otherwise, we might get a PhD in in comparative religion or something like that. But that's a very different thing to getting love of God. <laughs> yeah. I have a question about the Bhagavatam. Maharaj Prakshit was out hunting. He was standing in the Bhagavatam out hunting when he mm. was meeting this Swami, or this Brahmin Brahmin. Mm. Sitting in the hut, but it was uh, within the Bhagavatam, he, he was hunting, so yeah. he was killing animals. Yeah, Pariksit Maharaj was killing animals. That's and he right. was a, a clean devotee, and he, he was a pure devotee. Yeah. He was killing animals. Well, Kshatriyas used to do that for various reasons. One reason is they have to protect the citizens from bad elements, that means they have to be prepared to fight and kill. Now, unless you're accustomed to killing, you can't just kill. It's a kind of a nasty thing. So you have to be accustomed for that. Another reason is to uh, keep down the population of dangerous animals, which there were many up till recently in India. I mean, still in some places. There. Well, tigers and lions are but In some places, elephants are still cause a bit of a nuisance. Not much, but until recently, tigers and lions and wild boars in Europe also, until not so long ago, there were, there were forests with wolves and dangerous wild pigs. So they, they would kill them 
and uh, they would also kill animals for sacrifice. They may do also. Not regularly, but animals killed in sacrifice, they might do. Well, not offering to Krishna. Well, they, they, they offer in yagya, which is, and the, the, the in yagya, the, ultimately the, the yagya book is Vishnu. But it's, it's indirectly offered. And himself, Krishna says, Patrang Pushpam Palam, offer me leaf, flower, fruit and water. But meat eating is allowed in Vedic culture under restriction uh, with the understanding that there there will always be some people who are on that level so better to restrict them and do it in a religious way so that they can, first of all it restricts them so they don't eat meat every day. And uh, at the same time it there's some element of purification is there. That's why in Islam they have halal food. And in Judaism, what's it called in Judaism? They're, they're kosher, kosher food. So the idea is in the idea that says that you should not take the blood of any animal. So it means you shouldn't eat meat. But instead they, they kill the animals in such a way they drain all the blood out. <laughs> so so they say. I don't think it's possible to drain it completely. So you can be a clean devotee and eat meat? Uh, not in this Kali Yoga, but in previous ages they could be. Some devotees might do. And there are some that Garuda, he's a snake eater. He's in the form of an eagle. So generally devotees don't eat meat, but some under certain circumstances might do, but not in this age. And there's some like Prabhupada jokingly saying, those who believe in God, those who do not believe in God, got the three words. It's the dog. Yeah. Well, Prabhupada would say instead of being attached to G-O-D, they are attached to D-O-G. Attached to dog. Well, it's kind of a joke, but it's true also. He was jokingly making a valid point. It's not a joke. It's, it's serious. By being attached to their dog, they become a dog in their next life. So it's very serious preaching Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada was preaching very strongly. There's, there's the fire of material existence is burning and Prabhupada wanted to save people from that. The fire is still burning. So we've kind of relaxed since when Prabhupada was here. But Maya hasn't relaxed. She's just as powerful as ever. So we need to go on preaching distributing books, being serious and Krishna conscious. I'm going to finish now, it's a little late. Oh, there's more questions. All right. Yeah. No, I just wanted to ask you that, uh, like you said, uh, with the Hari Kesli books, uh, was one of uh, the ones who got uh, the books translated and distributed, and, and now uh, we concentrate very much on Vaishnava behavior and uh, the interaction between devotees and loving exchanges mm. and if you could yeah, that's all right. But Vaishnava behavior taught to us by Srila Prabhupada begins with book distribution. <laughs> loving exchanges means giving out Prabhupada's books. It's not they're not it's not that the two things are independent of each other or that one 
one can, you know, suddenly we'll transform into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and we don't have to distribute books. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission at the present time means distributing Prabhupada's books. That's the Brihat Mridanga. It didn't stop because of some excesses in the past or some neophyte behavior in the past. That doesn't mean that we're going to, that we're going to become great Vaishnavas by forgetting what everything that Prabhupada taught us and just kind of bypass Prabhupada and go to immediately to Chaitanya Leela or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating or something. It's good we should cultivate Vaishnav behavior, but we should know that Vaishnav behavior begins with... Well, what is that? Jibe doya name ruchi. First thing is, merciful to the jivas. And yasya prasada bhagavat prasada, yasya prasada nagati katoli. By the mercy of the spiritual master, we get the mercy of Krishna. So, being nice to each other is good. I mean, it's not the highest thing. Being nice is just normal human behavior. Um, and Vaishnava behavior of being nice is on a completely different platform to that of the of the the, the, the worldly moralists who smile at each other while they're eating meat and uh, you know they they smile at each other and then while they're plotting against each other they're actually envious. So the, Vaishnava relationships develop best when we endeavor together to serve the mission of Srila Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Then the strong relationship is bonded. It's not by reading Stephen Covey's books or something we're going to become great devotees. But by serving the, the mission of the Acharyas, we get their blessings. So, it's good if we become well-behaved, but we should know that that is a actual good behavior. For the first, the first thing is not defined in terms of worldly morality, and another thing is that the, all the qualities of devotees develop in those who try to develop. The, the first thing is surrender, and then everything else follows. So. Again, there have been excesses in the past, but if you say we're trying to develop Vaishnava behavior and not so much preaching and book distribution, then I say, well, what, what, what's the Vaishnava behavior? Is it just behavior or is it Vaishnava behavior? Because Vaishnava behavior means to, to serve the mission of the spiritual master. And there's no doubt that Prabhupada emphasized distribution of his books is the most compassionate. It may not seem very good Vaishnava behavior to go on the street and try and extract money from people. It seems kind of materialistic, doesn't it? You give them a book, they didn't want it. Oh, I don't have enough money to buy my bacon now. Oh. <laughs> so it might seem that it's not, but real Vaishnava behavior means to be aggressive for Krishna. It's like Prabhupada said, I was aggressive. No one asked me to come to the West. And Prabhupada said, when, if they had known what I was coming to do, they would have never allowed me in the country in the first place. So, developing Vaishnava behavior is good, but it's not, it's not the essence of our mission that we try to develop good behavior, but rather we we serve the mission of the Acharyas. 
and dealing with each other nicely is part of that, but it's not all. If we're just, you know, nice with each other, that's that's that doesn't add up to serving the mission of the acharyas. That's not all in all. So it might seem that you know that's really in the mode of passion. So now we shall become in the mode of goodness, but it could be that bhakti solution is done in the mode of passion. And but uh, better than throwing out the baby with the bathwater is come to the come to the proper understanding and do it in a come to the plat the transcendental platform and do it like that. Just like then, even when Prabhupada was present, there was that group of siddhas group, and they, they were they were disciples of Prabhupada, but they were kind of separate. And they said, "Well, we don't like you see these others. They're distributing books and they agitate people, and we we don't like that's too. We we're better. We're more pure." But Prabhupada, his Prabhupada's response was, "No, but they're following the order of the spiritual master. If you think that they're not doing it." in a very good way, you show them how to do it better, but you don't avoid the order of the spiritual master. Because they were into being very nice with people, and, and we don't do raucous kirtans on the street. They would go out in their jeans and play guitar and sing very gently, Hare Krishna, as the, the devotees are distributing books, we come and settle them out with all the big wampas and jumping around, Hare Krishna, and they look, ah, oh, look, they're in the mode of passion. The Prabhupada said that, well, they're in a better position because they're following the order of the spiritual master. So if you think that they're not doing it well, you do it, but you show them how to do it better, but you don't give up the order of the spiritual master and concoct your own idea of what is Krishna consciousness. So, yes, let us be nice Vaishnavas, but not by giving up book distribution. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, no, I was just asking you. It's yeah, well... I don't know if I got it right, but anyway, I made a point. Important point. Yeah. Is it wrong to say Hare Krishna nicely? No, it's not wrong, but it's it's wrong in the name of uh, in whatever name to say that we. If that was what was being said, that we should emphasize more on being nice than on distributing Prabhupada's books. We should understand what being nice means. Being nice means to give the knowledge by which people can learn about Krishna. Now it's definitely better to do that in a nicely, to distribute books in a manner, as Prabhupada himself said, in a manner that people are not agitated. There's no reason, we shouldn't do it in a way that people are agitated, but to not do it, that is violence. To stop the preaching of Krishna consciousness is violence. The worst violence is to stop the preaching of Krishna consciousness. It means that those who stop the preaching, those who are not preaching Krishna consciousness, they're worse than Hitler, Stalin, Kentucky, what's his name, Colonel Sanders. It's all, it's all, they're violent, but everyone who's not teaching Krishna consciousness is violent. Because even us in our so-called niceness, if we fail to give knowledge to people of how they can become free from birth and death, and they have to suffer terribly birth after birth by not knowing Krishna. So real morality, real good goodness is preaching Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna. People are leaving. It's late. Hare Krishna. Well...
One time this devotee asked, you know, that you know, why are you so heavy, Maharaj? He said, look, we've got to use every second in Prabhupada's service. Any inefficiency or any waste of time by us means that the mission to spread Krishna consciousness is being impeded. So he couldn't tolerate devotees wasting time, wasting energy, wasting money. Just everything should be in order so we can do our service. So difficult to tolerate unless we're in the same consciousness and understanding. If we're thinking what is good for my sense gratification, then we'll try to find some comfortable position where everyone's nice, and first everyone should be nice, then we'll be Krishna conscious. But in uh, in fighting a war, which actually Prabhupada used that analogy so many times, it, 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 there's no the the, the, the uh, we can't. The, of course, Prabhupada was very tolerant in many ways, but he was he was also very heavy in many ways. Because he was pushing. He said, this is a pushing movement. So many devotees said, you know, I'd, oh, I'd love to be with Prabhupada, but I don't know how many of us could tolerate. Not, not that many devotees. Prabhupada's personal servants, they mostly didn't stay with him very long. They found him difficult to tolerate. He was very, very strong, very forceful. So that mood came through to his followers also. And with without the same level of purity as Prabhupada, that sometimes was misused. But at the same time, the movement was spread and Prabhupada was pleased by the movement being spread. So, I don't know, maybe I got a bit of allergy because I was brought up in southern England where it's similar to here. People are very nice, but at the same time, is underlying it all is envy and sarcasm, and so the niceness is only on the surface. And I, I hated that hypocrisy. And I was actually quite happy when I joined the movement that people are real. They're not, it's their, their niceness is not just a show, but they're they're so nice to you that they'll yell at you if you don't get up in the morning. <laughs> Hope someone yells at me tomorrow. So Krishna consciousness is sweet, there's no doubt, but but we should be careful to distinguish between mundane sweetness. It's very easy to fall into that. And uh, the sweetness that comes from the, from the surrender, which is we may means giving up attachments and working hard for Krishna. In the absence of uh, genuine and powerful spiritual leaders, we tend to fall into worldly morality. We become religious. (laughs) We become a religious movement instead of a spiritual movement. That's 
what to become a religious movement? Yeah, you're right. Ah, let's let's get out. It's the last thing. Religion is the last resort of scoundrels. Well, who is it? Samuel Johnson said said politics is the last scoundrel of the last resort of rascals. But Bhaktis Dantasaritaka said religion. Religion is the he said that the religious institutions they they I can't remember exactly the words, they foster what exactly the words wrongdoing or evil on a level that even the most pious atheists couldn't imagine. The best, the church that has the best chance of survival in this damned world is that of atheism posing as theism. Very interesting observations. (laughs) So unless there's the endeavor to surrender, then we end up believing in God, which is a disaster. Because believing in God, the, the conceptualized God, instead of surrendering to Krishna, becoming religiously believing in God, that's not Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada didn't start the International Society for God consciousness. He came to give us love of Krishna, which begins with surrender to Krishna. So just believing in some kind of idealized God who is, who is no, we have no substantial connection to him. Just some theory who we, you can believe, you can think about him in any way you like. This is, this is religion. Then we go to the interfaith conference and discuss and we come back and there's no difference and no one, no one goes even an inch forward in love of Krishna. It's all theoretical. So, yeah, Vaishnava relationship, yeah, good, yes, very good. But let's not make it all theoretical. I I can say that the, the deepest relationships I know are with devotees who, you know, we took all kinds of risks and difficulties and for preaching Krishna consciousness, including things like, you know, lying and what are you coming for? Tourism and pretending we're tourists and all ah, so many things. <laughs> Not lying as a policy, but when required. Taking all kinds of risks. I remember Harry Cage saying that once. No, was it Harry Cage? Yeah. He said, oh, now, now that now that the uh, Soviet bloc has broken down and Christian said there's no more there's no more bliss there anymore. <laughs> there's a lot of bliss when you're risking. And then Tamal Krishna said the only place left is China now. <laughs> there's more chance to surrender in difficulty. Like Bali Maharaj. I'm sure he was very religious before Vamandev. He used to say his prayers. <laughs> but he had the chance to surrender. It wasn't easy. Koshtana korle keshto milibena. 